from the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Bastry, Minnesota. New download, main, event, status, radio, with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210 and the Dirty Dog Darcy. Welcome back, everybody, to Main Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. Joining me this week is my older brother, Daddy Sunshine. How's it going, Dave? Oh, it's going pretty good. How's it going for you? Oh, you know, just another day in paradise. Just us recording an episode <laughs> while ROH is on. The hashtag Tag Wars. Oh, yeah. Got to have a little bit of a distraction, you know. Distraction? Is that Jay Lethal? Yeah, it kind of looks like <laughs> it. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, obviously Beverly Hills isn't able to join me this week again, but that I'll get another guest on, and why not my oldest brother? So this week we are talking about WCW Monday Nitro Episode 2 from September 11th, 1995 from the Knight Center in Miami, Florida. Obviously, Dave, you were one of the influences that got me into professional wrestling. What is your memories of professional wrestling in 1995? Well, 95, uh, yeah. Well, obviously, that was the beginning of the whole Monday Night War stuff. And, you know, when they were kind of battling back and forth for their all their almighty, uh, was it ratings, how whatnot. But it was kind of interesting when Hogan jumped over to WSC, WN. Left Titan Sports, all that fun stuff. Because he would have left Titan Sports, was I think, it, the 94? Yeah, I was going to say 93. Late oh, 90, 93. 93 was it, yeah. Wasn't that late 93? 93, then, yeah, because I know WrestleMania 9 would have been 90. No, WrestleMania 10 would have been 94, and he wasn't there, so yeah, it would have been 93. I was going to say, yeah. It would have been, yeah, 93 when Hogan would have left Titan Sports and... All that fun stuff. So, yeah, he would have jumped over, was it 94 to WCW or think, was it late 93? I think like, somewhere around there. I really get my, got my timeline kind of not so well together. All right, I was going to say, yeah, somewhere along there, that's when Hogan jumped and Macho Man jumped and everybody else decided to jump down south. So do you remember watching Nitro when it was on, on TV back in the day? Well, yeah, I was going to say, uh, with WWE Network and all that cool stuff, I can kind of go back and remember all this stuff. And But, yeah, some some memories are a little foggy of it, but... So, we might as well get into the show. But before we do, when I was getting the stuff together on the network, I went up on uh, Wikipedia and saw some... Uh, got the match results together for I can get the names and spellings correctly. I noticed there was four dark, four dark matches for the night. Yeah, so you can tell my computer screen. The first dark match was Bunkhouse Bunk and Dick Slayer with Colonel Robert Parker uh, facing the WCW t- World Tag Team Champions Booker T and Stevie Ray with Sister Sherry that ended in a double countout. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, oh, I'm sorry if I... Uh, words, you know, Sister Sherry is scary Sherry for those of us that remember. Because I think I remember correctly the storyline back then was Colonel Robert Parker had the hotster Sherry. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, you break, now they mention that, I remember that. So I think that's why that match ended in probably in a double countout. Oh, yeah. Then the next dark match was Shark, and also known as Earthquake, defeated Mark Starr. I was going to say, heaven forbid I remember who Mark Starr is, but... If all I can remember is that, yeah, I think he was a WCW jobber, so that's all I know about oh, him. Yeah. We would see Shark later on in the episode. Then we, the third dark match was Kamala uh, defeating Barry Houston. Oh, Houston must be one another one of WCW's jobbers. Yeah, because I don't know, <laughs> I know nothing about him. So, now obviously Kamala is a main event set his radio uh, favorite with Beverly Hills. Oh yeah. Then uh, the last dark match is Johnny B. Bad defeating Ric Flair by disqualification. Now, how in the world did that happen? Flair losing by <laughs> DQ. What Wik- in the world? What in the- Wik- Wikipedia didn't tell me. Oh, all right. I assume also by disqualification, Flair is being dirty because at this time, Flair was a heel building up the match with Arn Anderson at Fall Brawl, which will be happening the Sunday after this episode that we watched. Oh, right, right. Which we'll also discuss in a little bit. Right. So we might also get a rock in this podcast. And before we do, as podcast tradition, I always had to open up a can of Mellow Yellow. You got your can of Monster. What flavor Monster is that? Uh,. Uh, the low low carb monster energy, oh, one, one with the light blue 
design on it for yeah. the monster symbol. I've only had, I think, two monsters and uh, not a big fan of energy drinks. Anyway, we might as well get into the show with the classic, uh, cla- the classic Nitro opening with the uh, uh, rustling being seen on the buildings and the streets and all that. I love it. Then Eric Bischoff welcomes us to Monday Nitro from Miami, Florida. As a pyro goes off, and all that fun stuff, and Bischoff puts over the main event, which be Hulk Hogan defending the WCW World Heavyweight title against the total package, Lex Luger. Yes, yeah, so that was my Vince McMahon impersonation. <laughs> Not my Eric Bischoff. And uh, Bischoff also puts over that we will see, yeah, Hogan and Luger for the title. Scott Norton, who debuted the week before on Monday Nitro, getting the face of Mongo McMichael and Sabu. Yeah, the nephew of the original Sheik. Then uh, Steve McMichael and Bobby Heaton talks and all that, and we hear a faint weasel chant from the crowd, which made me laugh. Oh, yeah, same here. Then uh, they talk about, uh, then we see a highlight package of Lux Luger jumping ship from jumping ship from WWF to WCW, which happened the week before. Yeah, live from Mall of America. And Luger challenged Hogan for the title and all that. Then, uh, oh yeah, we uh, Beverly and I discussed episode one uh, a couple months ago, so if you guys haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to that. Then all they were talking about was Vader, who went AWOL, because he didn't fill out, quote-unquote, proper documents. It won't be in the main event for Fall Brawl in the War Games match to team up with Hogan. I guess during this time was Vader was going jumping ship to WWF. So they had to you know, write a you know, storyline wise on why he won't be in the pay per view in, in the company anymore. Oh right, right. Now that you're mentioning that I remember that. Then uh see then yeah they talk about uh yeah they talk about more about the main event tonight for Hogan and Luger for the title than I think yeah Bishop put over how if Hogan loses the title tonight to Lux Luger, he may lose the edge for the pay-per-view with a Sunday. Oh, right, for the mo- whole momentum shift. Yes. In the first match, we see Sabu versus Alex Wright. Dave, do you remember Do you remember at all Sabu being in WCW? Very, very faintly, and I, and I do uh, emphasize the word faintly on this one. As I say, I remember different podcasts hearing that Sabu was with the company, but I do not remember at all... Sabu being in the company. Well, yeah, that's why I'm saying I very faintly remember, you know, Sabu being in WCW, but yeah, his run wasn't very long, if memory serves me correct. As I say, I think he sh- this was one of few Nitro shows he was at, if maybe the only one, and he was at a couple of Saturday nights, and that's it. All right. So yeah, it makes sense for his very short WCW run. Then what do you have any mem- memories of Dust Wonder Kid Alex Wright? No, uh, I was going to say, no, not really. I always got him and Triple H mixed up, even though I know Triple H was in WCW for a while. Yeah, I think... As, very uh, very early in his career. Yeah, well, I think J- John Paul Levesque was one of his characters. I think, crap, I, oh, T- Tara Ryzen was his original gimmick. Uh, I was going to say, I don't remember Triple H being in WCW, but I know he was there. Yeah, Sabu first came out and all that, and he was going on about how supposedly Sabu was... Banned from 17 different countries. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, well, I like to know about 17 countries, but... That made me chuckle a little bit. Well, yeah, I'm the same here. And he was wearing silver pants, silver uh, MC Hammer pants. Oh, yeah, the parachute pants. Yeah, then Alex Wright came out in an odd color, I think it looked like neon blue tights. Yeah, yeah, definitely, they were definitely a neon color. So uh, we, we might as well kind of get into the match a little bit. Uh, no, one of the first notes I have is that, well, you might as well just jump in whenever. Uh, Sabu uh, hit or hit a Frankensteiner to the outside, and uh, Bishop proclaimed, head scissors to the outside. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, normal Bischoff uh, quote there. Then I know a few moves happened between this and what Mongo said, which I wrote down. Mongo asked, did I hear bones break? Oh, yeah, when, uh, yeah, that was when, uh, Sabu hit, was setting up, uh, right up against the, oh, the guardrail, the, the, yeah. the guardrail. Which also leads up to my next one, that Sabu grabs a chair and jumps off, you know, runs and jumps off it and flies, flies into Alex right, but Alex moves, and, uh, Sabu hits the guardrail. Yep, that's when Mongo made the crack about that I hear bones break. Then uh, Alex Wright hit a beautiful drop kick on the outside, then a body slam and kicked Sabu a few times, which made me smile. Then Sabu uh, got rolled into the ring, and, and uh, Alex Wright jumped up to the top rope and did a beautiful missile drop kick from the top rope. 
and then Sabu rolled back out to the outside, and that's when I noticed who our referee for the first match was. Yeah, and that was Nick Patrick. Yes, the evil Nick Patrick. And uh, then there was a diving, a running dive from the inside to the outside onto Sabu from Alex Wright. And Sabu comes up to the top rope. Alex catches him and hits a superplex. Then uh, one thing that made me sad was Alex Wright hit a beautiful German suplex for the pin, or German suplex play for the pin, as uh, Lance Russell would say, and only got a two count. Then what's your thoughts on the finish when Sabu hit a victory roll from the top rope for the three? Well, I was going to yeah, it's just one of those kind of things that, you know, if Sabu would have, uh, I don't know, I guess kind of perfected it a little better, he would have, Probably got the official three, in my opinion, but... Well, I was going to say, for me, I'm surprised. I never really remember seeing anybody do a victory roll from the top row. Well, yeah, same here. It's one of those things that are few and far between. Which is pretty dangerous. So, yeah, Sabu originally was uh, marked as the winner, which I would, which I rated this match two stars and all that because I was entertained for a Sabu match. All right. I was going to say, yeah, I'm same here for the two stars on this one. Then Sabu continued the attack on the outside, grabbed a table, put Alex right onto it, Went up to the top rope. This is outside, by the way. Yeah, and Sabu ran inside, went up to the top rope, and dove through it, through Alex Wright. And because of that, Nick Patrick reversed the decision, giving the match to Alex Wright. And, yeah, and DQ would, uh, yeah, Mr. Short Run and WCW Sabu. A homicidal, genocidal, suicidal, death-defying Sabu. Yeah, which is better known as in his EC dub run. So, yeah, then Bischoff tells us, mentions, don't leave us when they go to a commercial break. And, and this is Manny Vincentis Radio. I am the Dirty Dog. He is Daddy Sunshine Dave. Don't leave us. We'll be right back after these messages. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Get official WCW stuff. This stuff up here is cool. It's hot. It's happening. It's official WCW stuff. Caps, tees, and more. Official WCW stuff. You can order official World Championship Wrestling stuff from the WCW Merchandise Catalog. Get yours today. Call 404-885-7168 to get your free official WCW Merchandise Catalog. Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. They want their store back. It's time for a new Radio Shack. Come see what's possible when we do things together. You're too late. In trying to make an artistic statement, one should be careful not to let one's personal aroma do the talking. In order not to offend the critics, I recommend Right Guard Sports Stick. It provides maximum protection and the freshest scents. A sublime palette of odoriferous emanations. After all, a true artiste should be remembered for his inspiration, not his perspiration. Right guard sports stick. Anything less would be uncivilized. And we're back after these messages. This is Main Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, joined by my oldest brother, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Oh, it's going pretty swell. How do you like those messages? Oh, they're they're really excellent, I tell you what. I might go out and buy some, some things from them. Yeah, same here. So we're back with Gene Meany in the middle of the ring, and he welcomes his guest of the night, Ric Flair. And no, I'm not doing my Ric Flair impersonation. It kind of sucks. No, as I say, uh, Flair comes out, and one of the things he says after he came out in the crowd first time, he said, it's showtime. Oh, yeah, the first thing that Flair said, actually. Then uh, then, uh, when Flair got out, came down, Gene Meany put over Flair's match, uh, Fall Brawl against his uh, former best friend, Arn Anderson. 
some of the highlights from the promo was Flair mentioned that he was partying last night and his best friend wasn't with him because his best friend was back in his hotel room calling his wife and his kid. Flair said that they used that they, they used to rule the world and partied all night long. Flair put over the horseman with the four fingers being the symbol of excellence. Then Lux Luger came down. And uh, Flair acknowledged it when, when uh, Lux Luger came out and was, entered the ring. And then Flair put over the main event for the night, which was, you know, like I said, Lux Luger versus Hogan. And I put in my notes, why can't WWE nowadays use Flair for this reason nowadays? To have him put over the main event in the night. Oh, right, which would make, you know, sense to me, you know, for WWE putting over the main event from a legendary guy like the Nature Boy. Then Lex Luger really didn't say anything. They just turned off and walked off laughing at Flair, and they wrapped it up and all that. Then we go back to the announcers, which, you know, is Eric Bischoff, Malcolm McMichael, and Bobby Heenan, and Bischoff talks to pay-per-view coming up this Sunday, Fall Brawl, the War Games. We might as well talk about it now. Do you, what memories do you have of Fall Brawl, the War Games? The memories I have, which I know would be disgusting, Later episodes would be of when the New World Order took on WCW and War Games, and at least that's the War Games I remember. I was going to say, WWE approached modernize the, the War Games match by doing an Elimination Chamber match, which is one of my favorite matches nowadays. So we also talk about the next match, which is for the WCW World, not World, WCW United States Championship match, VK Wall Street taking on the champion, Stan. What's your memories of Mr. Wall Street? Well, I remember Mr. Wall Street as being IRS back in WWF. And when he, you know, when he was Mr. Yeah, yeah, when he ran with Ted DiBiase and I was IRS. And I thought his Wall Street gimmick kind of sucked, to be bluntly honest. I know from episode one, which I remember reviewing, and I kind of remember, remember, you know, for remember some of the lines from the episode when I watched it, that Mr. Wall Street was, well, in the episode Mr. Wall Street, and he said at the end of the promo, I know the IRS is going to be watching me in WCW, which made me laugh because he, he was the IRS. Oh, right, which, yeah, makes sense. What's your memories of Stan back in the day? Oh, back in the day, I had this, you know, but this is before Sting obviously went... The black and white and the crawl gimmick, and I thought he was kind of a talented, you know, younger guy at the time, and was going to go places, and kind of happy to see that he finally jumped over to WWE now. Yeah, we might as well get into the match. That uh, I feel like this was a drop for Sting since the week before episode one. Sting was defending the United States title against Ric Flair. And now the second week he's defending against VK Wall Street. Oh, right. I was going to say, yeah, definitely a drop in talent, per se. No, nothing against Mike Rotunda, the father of Bray White and Bo Dallas. But I think that's what, yeah, like I said, a drop to, drop to Stim. But what, what can you do from first episode to the second episode? I know that I noticed that the announcers were giving Wall Street a lot of crap. And Wall Street came out about changing his name from the first week. Well, you know, episode one being Mr. Wall Street, and this week being VK Wall Street. And I thought, what could VK mean in his name? Oh, I was going to say, right, yeah, same here. Vincent Kennedy Wall Street. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's just me. Well, I was going to say, yeah, that makes sense to me, too. And our Wall Street was wearing like a Mr. Perfect kind of esque tights, you know, the, sing- the Russian singlet with dollar signs on it, and staying in his neon green trunks. Yeah, I can't forget about his neon green face paint with yes. the black in it. Then uh, Bishop tells us that Raw is a few weeks old. They give us some spoilers on what happened. I, I wasn't really paying too much attention. What the, I don't, what I remember is Shawn Michaels was wrestling that night. So, Well, yeah, something about that he did his finisher, and heaven forbid I catch who he, he beat. But And I don't feel like... Uh, Going online to figure out oh, what happened, but whatever. So uh, we also get into this match. Uh, oh, well, before we do, I, I find it funny that Wall Street's character is very similar to IRS. And I'm sure the IRS is watching Mr. Wall Street on Monday nights on TNT. And I hope Sting doesn't get stunned by the IRS. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, that? same here. Then, uh, yeah, we also get into this, in the match that Bischoff mentions that Luger 
Well, yeah, because uh, Luger is friends with Sting, which was talked about in episode one, and which would co- come in contact with later on in the night that, uh, you know, because they, they showed a video highlight package from of Luger jumping ship the week before, and Bischoff put over that Luger was rusted for the WWF mere nine days ago, and Mongo mentions that he came out of the Bush Leagues to wrestle for WCW. Where the big boys play. And yeah, but, uh, Luger did say he was tired of playing with kids, and now he wants to play with big boys. Yeah. Isn't that still kids? Well, if you want to be smart about it, technical, yeah. Well, that's just my opinion. Then uh, the match happened, some wrestling happened, IRS got sent to the outside, came back in, Sting got sent to the outside, IRS followed. Sting uh, spread himself from the apron over the top rope and took out IRS. IRS took advantage right away and elbow dropped him a few times. la di da di da Towards the end, first, uh, finish of the match came when IRS got his or got his head smashed in the corner a few several times and Sting punched him some, clotheslined him, kneed him, back in the corner, and hit the Stinger splash. Then Sting went up to the top rope, waited, hit a fly crossbody for the victory. Stan is a winner, retaining the U.S. title for second week on Monday Nitro. I read this match one and one half star. I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say for me it's a str- it's a one star at best. Now for me, I don't feel like this match was as good as a Sabu Wright match. Even though this match has a higher a main eventer, a former world champion in it. Right. But I just felt like the you know Sabu debuting, debuting Sabu and showing his crazy skills was a great way to open the show. And this match, I felt like, was kind of stale. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, definitely stale, yeah. Talk about talk, talk about something that isn't stale. It's our sponsors and, and, and all that fun stuff. All right. This is Main Event Status Radio. We're going to, our, we're going to these messages. We'll be right back, right after this. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. against men. Power. Strength. It's art. Painted with rage. And it's 100% live. Watch WCW Monday Nitro every Monday night at 8 exclusively on TNT. Monday. The Donald Trump era begins on Raw. For the first time in its 17-year history, Raw will be presented live, commercial-free. I'm personally going to be at Raw next week to run things the way I want them to be run. Don't get in my way. Raw, live and commercial-free, Monday at 9, only on USA. Yo, Hulkamaniacs, it's me, Hulk Hogan. Check out my new look. Brother, I was at Arby's scarfing down a chicken cordon blue. That natural chicken tastes righteous. That's because it's not all pumped up with phosphates and fillers, which gave the Hulkster an idea. Maybe I don't need to be pumped up either. Who needs to be doing bench presses and deadlifts all day? Now all of Arby's chicken is made with 100% all-natural, all-delicious chicken. Try our chicken cordon bleu with ham and melted Swiss. It'll have you saying... I'm thinking Arby's, brother. Those messages played, those messages came, and we're back. This is Van Event Status Radio. You are my oldest brother, Dave. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. How's it going, Dave? Uh, it's going pretty swell. So this is segment three of the show. You still, you still up for it? Yeah, I'm still up for it. How about you, eh? Oh, yeah, you know, just another week in the, in the life. You, you <laughs> regretting this? Are you regretting being on the podcast? No. Good. How do you like ROH so far? Uh, not really paying much attention to it, so talk about, can't, can't give you too much of an opinion on it. Talk about things I, I don't pay attention to is WCW Saturday Night, which Bischoff put over that Disco Disc Inferno made will be making his debut this coming Saturday night, night before the pay per view on WCW Saturday Night, and Bischoff put, plugged a few other matches that were a, a happening that go right out monsoon would say over on TBS, the Superstation. Then we must go to this next third match of the night. Scott, Flash, Norton, and Macho Man Randy Savage. What's your memories of Scott Norton? Pre-NWO or NWO in Both. general? Well, I was going to say, my memories of Scott Norton was, he's definitely a big boy. Looks pretty muscular, at least back then. But, you know, 
Definitely looks like my memories of him that he's a strong guy, and too bad they didn't utilize him better. What about the macho man? Well, God, God rest macho soul, but he's probably looking up, looking down at us, smiling, going like, get this right, boys. Macho man, yeah, I think, you know, all his different gimmicks over the years were quite interesting. So we we'll also get into the match. That, uh, Norton made his debut on episode one the week prior. When he came out of the crowd, got in the face of Mongo and the announcers, challenged Mongo McMichael to a fight, but Macho came down and took the challenge. Now... It's a happening. Scott Norton versus Randy Savage. Scott Norton's kind of, attire was kind of similar to Wall Street's attire. And Macho's attire is like Stin's attire. Bright neon green. But I dig Macho's cowboy hat, which was you know, neon green too. Well, yeah. And Macho's jacket, which had those uh, tassels oh. on it. Yeah, the, I was going to say, yeah, tassels, whatever you want to call them. I'm tempted to get uh, for Christmas a cowboy hat and a jacket like that. Oh, right. It's in awesome sunglasses, macho sunglasses. Oh, right. So, yeah, we might as well get into this match. That Norton attacked Macho right away when Macho was rolling into the ring. Norton picked him up in, in a choking position, threw him back down, kind of like a choke slam, but you know, I don't remember the moves called, but yeah, picked him up with both hands and throwed him down. Right, yeah. Doesn't say I don't remember what it's called either, but. I think tree slam or something like that. Anyway, then Macho, yeah, the, Norton had the advantage of Macho, close, you know, Macho getting the advantage, close on him outside. Climbed to the top rope, hit the hit double sledge, the block handle off the top rope to the outside. Then back in the ring, Macho tried to jump under Norton from the top rope, but Norton caught him with a bear hug, you know, squeezed him in a little bit and threw him back to the mat. Right, it looks like at that time Norton was doing some pretty hefty damage to Macho's ribs with the bear hug. And I feel like it showed off Norton's strength during, you know, and all that, especially this being his first match on WCW TV. Oh, right, yeah. Then, uh... Bobby mentioned, uh, I don't remember exactly what spot or what the announcers were saying, but I did write down a line from Bobby talking about the Macho Man, saying that if Macho Man needs to see a doctor, I know a good animal of a hospital, we can send him. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah, the weasel's little smart remark. Which makes me laugh, since he is the weasel, he, it would make sense, he would know which animal hospital to go to. Well, especially down there in Miami. That uh, one of the next spots that I wrote down is a beautiful power bomb on Dumacho from from uh, Norton, Flash Norton, and there's only a two count, which kind of bothered me a little bit. I feel like a power bomb in '95 should be a uh, uh, a finish oh, spot. All oh, right, yeah, definitely a power bomb. Yeah, that's more of a finishing type maneuver, you know, by by standards. However, and there's a beautiful backbreaker twice, and a grill press slam to Macho from Flash Norton, and then Norton. Tossed the crowd, jaw jacks him, says stuff that we couldn't pick up. Then Norton sends Macho the ropes and hits a beautiful Randy Orton-esque power slam for a pin in another two count. The announcers put over how Macho Man was well, put over Macho Man and not staying down and being a savage in the ring. Oh yeah, didn't Mo- didn't Mongo make the comment about uh, how the from his football days where. Uh, about how Savage is going to pick it up in the fourth quarter, per se? Yeah, that, 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 that doesn't really matter what happens in the first three quarters. All that matters is what happens in the fourth quarter. Well, right, I was just trying to remember from when we watched it. Yeah, then, uh, then, uh, then uh, Macho got sent to the ropes, and Norton hit a shoulder block, which surprised me. A shoulder tackle, which ties in with Mongo McMichael and his football days. Yeah. And Savage tries to pull, oh, yeah, they got sent Macho to the outside, and Savage tried to pull himself up by the bottom rope, which made me smile. And Norton brought Macho back in the ring and all that. Hit a DDT from the top rope. Beautiful. Which reminds me of Randy Orton. Yeah, with that, a draping DDT. Yeah. Then uh, the finish came when Norton went up to the top rope, jumped off, and Macho rammed his face on the mat, kind of, you know, using, using uh, the momentum. Mo- yeah, momentum that Norton had in, with gravity and smashed his face on the mat. Macho attacks with punches and kicks and such. Then the Dudge of the Doom came down with Shark, and all that, and try to attack Macho Man, and Macho Man fought the moth, and somehow, some way, Shark fell over under Norton. Yeah, and that's kind of, yeah. And trapping Norton, Norton's legs, which caused Macho Man to run up to the top rope and hit the Macho elbow for the victory. Yeah, kind of ironic how the Doom kind of sealed Norton's fate there. So the Dungeon of Doom doomed Scott Norton to the dungeon of losers. 
Yeah, but yeah, that's the truth on that one. So the winner is Macho Man Randy Savage. I read this this match two and one third stars. Yeah, it's definitely I rated a definite solid two. And I, I feel like this match put over Norton Macho Man showed Macho, you know, being you know uh, you know pushed being like a Johnson esque character, not quitting, you know, being a savage, doing what he can to stay in the match and put Norton over as a upper mid card star or if not a main event set a star. I mean, if, I thought like it wasn't for the Dungeon of Doom, Scott Norton could have beat Macho Man Randy Savage on this night. Oh yeah, definitely were yeah. Norton definitely could have got the W on this one. And what's your thoughts and memories of the Dungeon of Doom? Kind of a real bad gimmick, if you ask me. With the Taskmaster and Shark and which most of us remember as Earthquake and Brutus and everybody else, kind of like a band of misfits, per se. So I felt like the Dungeon of Doom was a play off the WWF cartoon characters from the late 80s. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Then, uh, then then WCW at this time on TNT on September 11th, 1995, went to a commercial break. And guess what we're going to? Commercial break. So let's catch you guys after these messages. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Are you ready to fight? Then step into the ring and take on Sting. There's me and my rival, the nature boy, Ric Flair. And there's the total package, Lex Luger, plus more WCW wrestlers with their own ring and cage. The only place for the ultimate grudge match. Sting flying in the ring. Watch Lex bounce off the roof. Oh, no. Rick climbs the pole. Sting comes back with the body slam. The WCW wrestlers ring and cage, you put it together. Figure so separately from Galoot. I dare anybody to take us on. Rated T for Teen. Brock Lesnar, you gotta watch your back. Chris Benoit tried to take me out in the elimination chamber. You're nothing, Lesnar. And that punk John Cena, I run this terrain. Here comes the pain. Came after me backstage. But no matter what they do, no matter how hard they try. There is nothing and no one that can stop me. You and me, Braun Tanya's match right now. I win. No, Brock, we all win. Smackdown, here comes the pain. She's terrible. She's great. You're being too easy on her, Hulk. I like things to be easy. Like 1010-220. Exactly. I know 1010-220 is cheap, but it's easy too. Yeah, there's no signing up. You just pick up the phone and dial it. It all calls up to 20 minutes or 99 cents. Easy and cheap. I'll have to try it. Thank you. I told you she was great. You should switch to decaf. Dial 1010-220. Hope you guys dig those messages, because we surely did here on Main Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog, Darcy. Here's my oldest brother, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Uh, pretty good. So, are you excited for this Main Event title match? Well, yeah, it was definitely an interesting title match. It was. WCW World Heavyweight Champion Hulk Hogan defending his title with Jimmy Hart in the corner against the total package Lex Luger from up north somewhere. Somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah, I don't know either. Big Apple, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Madison Square Garden. I just don't know. Greenwich. Who knows? Whatever. Uh, yeah, Bishop put over Lux Luger committee for the WWF nine days prior. Okay, thank you, Bischoff. Then uh, then we during Luger's entrance, we see a fall brawl commercial and all that. I guess Lux Luger got jobbed out to fall brawl. Yeah. I wish in the main event that John Cena would get jobbed out to a TLC commercial. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, same here. That's just me. Now, what's your thoughts on Hulk Hogan's American-made theme song? Yeah, it kind of, kind of makes me remember back in the old mid-'80s when Hogan was with WWF back up in the Big Apple. To me, it's not the same as his real American theme song. All right. So I know it... The American-made song, he's American. 
freaking made. That was, I think, the second track on the Hulk's Rules album. Hogan had a Hulk's Rules album? Seriously? Don't you remember that? No. Mom bought me... That on cassette twice because the first one broke somehow. I don't. I think the. I think her car ate the tape or something like that. Oh, I was gonna say. Well, that's normal for a cassette tape. Then also, I think then mom found that album on CD at a garage sale a couple of years ago. No surprise, huh? Oh, well, especially out of her ma. Yeah. So yeah, I ways I enjoyed the American Made album or the song, but I prefer the real American album or song. Oh yeah, definitely same here. Then. It was ways weird for me to see Hulk Hogan wear the WCW title, but it felt it was also cool to see the Hulk Hogan wear the WCW title belt. Oh, right. Since everybody is so used to him building up up north in WWF. Then, uh, yeah, then when uh, Hulk got in the ring and got on the apron and pointed that Luger, there was title came from the rafters. Okay. Only Hulk Hogan. Then uh, he ripped off his shirt, cupped his ears, his hands to his ears to taunt the fans and all that. One thing that I noticed that bothered me, well, just like on episode one on Nitro when Hogan defended the title against Big Bubba, was he handed Jimmy Hart the title. If this is a title match, why the hell is one of the managers holding the damn title? Oh, yeah, exactly. No, I was going to say, any other title match, the title goes right to the referee. Shows you the stroke of Hulk Hogan. Anyway, then uh, after Hogan gave Jimmy the belt, Jimmy gave the referee the belt. The referee showed the fans at home and on the WWE Network what the title looks like. Thank you, referee. I don't know who you were. I'm sorry, but thank you for showing me the WCW title. Then, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on Hulk Hogan being world champion, working on a limited schedule, especially nowadays with Brock Lesnar being the world champion, working on a limited schedule? Honestly, to me, if you're a world champ, you shouldn't be on a limited schedule. You should actually, you know, be there every every week and, you know, defending your title against everybody and all comers. The ways I can understand, maybe not having a champion on every Raw or back the net every Nitro. In the ways I can understand not having, especially now these pay-per-views don't mean anything, not having title defended at every pay-per-view, but... I guess WCW kind of hurt, made the WCW title hurt and look like cracks. I think I can't remember if it was 97 or 98. Hogan, I think, defended the title less than a half a dozen times. Oh, I was, I was going to say, if, yeah, memory serves me right. I think it's like maybe three or four at best. So, and obviously Brock hasn't defended the title since uh, Night of Champions, but whatever. No, I just feel like it's. I can understand with Brock. If they were putting putting the title on Brock, they should opt, give him, offer him more dates with more money. You know, defend maybe even defend the title at Survivor Series. All oh, right, but it comes down to the almighty dollar. And, uh, the announcers try to put over this match as a dream match. Back in 1995, I never thought this was a dream match. All oh, right, yeah, same here. That yeah, you know, is this a, to me a normal match? Luger against Hogan. And I can kind of see where they're trying we're coming from because, you know, in the late 80s when Hogan was in WWF, that was a world champion, NWA, WCW, tried in ways to make Lux Luger their version of Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. And when Luger went up north to WWF, that's right on the time when Hogan left. They gave you know, Lux Luger the American-made, you know, gimmick and way to try to make Lux Luger the second Hulk Hogan. Oh, right, that's when they did that whole uh, Luger body slamming Yoko yeah. and all that cool stuff. So I, was, I can kind of see where they're trying to come from on trying to tie in storylines and all that, uh, saying, you know, this is a dream match, and they were never really in the same company for that long at the same time. Oh, right, yeah. So then we might as well do this match. One of the first things I noticed was Hogan actually doing chain wrestling. You know, with him doing a, a half Nelson, a front face lock, a snap suplex, what the hell is that out of Hulk Hogan? Oh, yeah. no, Yeah. Something you normally don't see out of Hogan. Which I was surprised at. And, you know, after Hogan hit the snap suplex on Luger, Luger popped right back up in the fans and the announcers went wild because of that. Because, holy crap, somebody got suplex from Hulk Hogan and weren't selling it. Like, right. What the hell is this? Yeah. And uh, Luger hit, uh, su- or, yeah, Luger sent in the ropes by Hogan, got Irish whipped. 
Then uh, Hogan bent down to get, you know do a back, back body uh, drop. Hogan, uh, Luger was thinking and hit him with his own uh, suplex, which made me laugh. Oh yeah. And then Hogan sent Luger back in the ropes, you know, with the Irish whip. He was going to hit him with a punch. Then Luger caught the ropes and rolled out of the ring. Smart thinking by the heel. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's one of the things that the heels always did. Then uh, the dudes stall a little bit, and, you know, get the fans, getting, you know, chanting, and they were chanting for Hogan and all that. Then uh, side of headlock from Lux Luger, which made me smile, since why not pull out more hair of Hulk Hogan? Or at least what hair he has left. Then uh, Hogan got out of it by sending Luger back in the ropes and all that. Then uh, later on in the match, Luger hit. Luger hit Hogan with a power slam, which looked like crap. It looked like a body slam. Oh, yeah, that, that, that it definitely did. Luger wasn't that great in the ring. Yeah, that, that, nothing against the guy, but, yeah, he wasn't too horribly impressive. Then uh, we might as well kind of get into this match. Towards the end of the match, yeah, well, yeah, that happened, and towards the end of the match, Hogan went up for the torture rack, which I was surprised at. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the announcer put it over, it being huge, that Luger got Hogan up on his shoulders and was racking the back and all that fun stuff. Then, which one thing that bothered me was Luger had his back to the, to, the, um, to the hard camera. Oh, yeah, I noticed that too. <clears throat> which the, cam- the, guy, the camera guy on the floor had a hip and turn, you know, get the right angle just to get, you know, get Luger, get the camera shot of Luger put in... Uh, put it hogging up uh, up on the in the torture rack. Oh yeah. So when this happened, oh well, yeah, then yeah, Luke, yeah, the referee checked Hogan's arms and all dropped a couple times. Luger thought the referee dropped it for the third time. Dropped Hogan, put his arms up in the air like yeah, 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 one. But referee went over to him, said, you know, his arm only dropped twice. Luger ran over and all that. Then oh, that, that's right. That's when Luger went over, made, tried, attempted the pinfall. Only, he only got a two count. And Hogan started to Hulk up from, you know, all that fans cheered. Hogan put in the finger, he hit the, hit the big boot, hit, hit the leg drop, went for the cover, and another run-in from Dungeon of Doom. So the winner, by disqualification, still the world championship wrestling, world heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan. Before we get into what the uh, post-match shenanigans, I read this match, two and one-half stars. I was going to say, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I was highly entertained by this match. This match was better than what I expected, especially being a Luger and a Hulk Hogan match. So together, I thought this was going to be a stinker of a match, but they surprised me on that. Well, yeah, I thought it was been one of those stalemate matches, but I'm with you on that one, too. So, yeah, the the end of the match came when Dungeon of Doom ran out and caused a disqualification and... You know, they only went after Hulk Hogan. And how they left Luger alone. And Jimmy Hurt went backstage and got Stain and got Macho and all that. And once those two came back, those two ran off the ran, ran off the Dungeon of Doom. Then uh, Mean Gene came, came down and all that when they went to commercial break and came back. Mean Gene talked about how Vader isn't able part of War Games match. And Hogan was wanting to know where Luger was coming from. And Macho echoes that. And Sting grabbed the mic to defend Luger and wanted Luger to be part of the Hulkamaniacs for war games. Macho mentioned that he'd rather it be, the Hulkamaniacs be down 3-4 to four in war games and have Luger be on the team and backstab them. Then Austin, yeah, then Stin says that he has nothing against Macho, and Macho you know, echoed that he had nothing against Stin, and uh, Macho asked why the Dungeon of Doom didn't attack Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger. Then Jimmy said that he went backstage to get help, and Luger never really answered why the Dungeon of Doom never touched him. Oh, right, he was kind of silent on that one. Yeah, then Hogan, then you know, the Macho said no on having Luger join the team for war games. Stain said yes. Then Hogan asked the crowd if, you know, if Luger should join. You know, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy and Stain said yes. Macho said no. Hogan is torn apart, and he said inside the cage, we'll all see what side Luger's will be on. And Luger accepted Hogan's offer to be on the team. So this coming Sunday, Lex Luger will be part of the Hulkamaniacs inside of War Games. And spoiler, 
Lux Luger did not turn on the Hulkamaniacs in that War Games match. Well, oh yeah, everybody was bawling thinking Luger would have would have turned. Then we go back to the announcers for the end of the night, and Bobby put over that the Hulkamaniacs team can't trust each other, and he doesn't blame them. And then uh, Bishop put over what we'll see next week on WCW Monday Nitro and on Fall Brawl the War Games. Then the show ended. Dave, what's your thoughts on this episode of Monday Nitro? Well, it was, well, it was all in all, it was a decent show. I mean, at least it's not like, you know, wrestling now where it goes on for three god hours. Yeah, which, and I, one thing I enjoyed was the announcers putting over what we'll see next week on the episode. Oh, right. And considering, you know, Nitro is always giving away the, their competition's results. Yeah. So that's one thing I, I enjoyed, and like you said, I enjoyed it being a shorter length of show, and the time that they had, they did not waste it, like, it's like Raw does nowadays. Oh, right, yeah, Raw nowadays, yeah, they waste too much time, if you ask me. So before we get into rest, you know, rest of the show, and you know the main event star and the jobber of the night and plugs, let's go take another quick break before we, you can listen to the sponsors. We'll be right back here on Main Event Status Radio. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. I like to enjoy the finer things in life, and I'm definitely the stuff. I've got my WCW MasterCard. <laughs> Get the official WCW MasterCard. To apply for yours today, just call 1-800-532-WCW2. Featuring new designs, great rates, and all the benefits that go along with it. Get it? Yes! To apply for yours, just call 1-800-532-WCW2 right now. Hit them, hit them! Hit ready? I think he'll crack this guy off! Okay, guys, keep him clean! It's gotta be a ring-a-ding-dong dandy! Nice! Ooh, that's gotta hurt! What a move! Please airborne! Humpty's famous four egg omelets. Choose from seven feature combinations. They're excellent. You know, Humpty, maybe we should be a tag team. You're out of here. Tom Steimer's Truck Center, Bradenton, Florida. All over the world, people are talking about one thing. Tom Steimer's trucks, 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 all over the world. Dusty, you hear it, you wrestle all over the world. You know, a lot of people say when you do them commercial with Tom Steimer's, his trucks, number one in Bradenton, Florida, is anybody watching? There must be 15,000 people behind them cameras right here today watching this program because Tom Stavis is number one in trucks, is number one in cars, is number one with Dusty Rhodes. After a hard day at the office working up a big thirst, many professionals reach for the smooth taste of Mellow Yellow. Woo, baby, Mellow Yellow, the taste that beats Mountain Dew. And now, Mellow Yellow has pictures and all the facts on your favorite NWA wrestlers, Ric Flair, Sting, the Road Warriors, and even my pretty face. Head to your favorite store and collect all 12. Woo! Take it from Dusty Rose, the American Dream. Make the Mellow Yellow move. Hey, B, no way a little dude like you is going to change oh. my ways. It's time you were tempted with the taste of nuts and honey. Hulk Hogan doesn't eat nuts and honey. Did you take this? An unbeatable part of this nutritious breakfast. That's better than a body slam. Undefeated. And still champion. It's a honey It's honey nut Cheerios. Okay, we're back for the last segment of the show. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy here on Many Event Status Radio. Joining me this week, filling in for Mr. Beverly Hills, live, quote-unquote, in studio, my oldest brother, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Uh, it's going pretty swell. How about you? Can't complain. So how do you like, how do you like reviewing and rewatching WCW Monday Nitro Episode 2 from Monday, September 11th, 1995? Well, yeah, this makes me remember how much different wrestling was back 20 years ago. So we might as well, I know I didn't ask you to do this, but just do, because I thought I'd throw you a curveball like I do to Beverly Hills every week on the episode. We pick a main event set of star and a jobber of the episode. My jobber for this episode has to be Sabu, because he got himself disqualified after he won the damn match. Oh, right, I was going to say, I have to agree with you on that one. I have two main event set of stars this week. First is Hulk Hogan for pulling out a good match out of Lux Luger and retaining the damn title because of the Dungeon of Doom. 
Yeah. And Lux, uh, not Alex Luger, Alex Wright. Because he got a victory after his opponent being stupid and put him through a table ring sign. Well, right, I was going to say I agree with you on the Hogan part, but thus Wonder Kid, seriously, come on now. Well, this might be the only chance I can give Alex Wright the main event set of star of the episode, so why not? All right, I hear you on that one. So, this one epi- well, one segment that I probably need to change the name because Beverly Hills hates it, but a segment I like to call the Pearl Harbor segment, where I blindside my co-host slash guest with a couple questions from this episode that would be pretty be what works or doesn't work from wrestling that we watch to wrestling nowadays. So I got a couple of questions for what, that we watch to see if it'll work nowadays. First question is thoughts on the one hour nitro compared to the three hour Raws. Well, honestly, I think if they went back to the one maybe two hour shows, it would go out to me a lot more smoother than trying to fill the gap for the whole three hours. Next, yeah, I don't want one thing that you know both of us noticed, especially while watching this, was that one hour went by pretty quick. Yeah, that it definitely did. Where you know, kind of kept everybody on their toes and interested in on the show. In fact, they didn't waste any time when they were in the ring. Right, instead of, you know, everybody kind of jaw-jacking around. And so I feel like nowadays, robbing three hours, I could care less on catching anything. And I feel like they w- waste a lot of their TV time. Oh, yeah, that they definitely do. You know, if they would cut it back to two hours, if not an hour, you know, it would makes more sense on Brock Lesnar not being there every week. Right, yeah, that, that's for sure. You know, it makes, you know, some of their main event set of stars, their jobbers and all that, or I guess their main event set of stars, main event guys and their title, you know, main eventers actually mean something. You know, you won't have to worry about seeing John Cena every week, Reddy Orton every week, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins. You can actually give them a couple weeks off here and there. Oh, right. Or, you know, for if there's four weeks between, between each episode of the paper, each pay-per-views, you can maybe have them on two or three Raws, and let them skip one or two. Oh, right. Or give them some, you know, some time off. Oh, right, which makes sense, because they're not getting any younger, I tell you. I know we kind of talked about this already between Hogan and Brock, but I guess, you know, with a three-hour Raw, I guess it would make sense having Brock on every week as world champion, but with Nitro being one hour every week for a while, was a world champion really needed every week? Back then, no, not really. I mean, because this because the title actually meant something back then compared to as it does now where, you know, it change, seems like it changes hands two, three times a year. Then uh, what's your thoughts on two consecutive run-ins and a DQ finish in the world title match? Uh, actually, I think it kind of stinks, to be honest. Yeah, same here. I absolutely hated that, you know, there's, especially in a one-hour show, you didn't need a Need two consecutive. You didn't need two run-ins from the Dungeon of Doom, right? And and especially with yeah, you know, the week before. I think yeah, Hogan did. Well, actually, I think the week before with Hogan facing the title against Big Bubba. I think I know there was a run-in, if not at end of the match, you know, before the finish came. At there was a run-in at after the match happened. So for two weeks in a row during the main event match. There was run-ins by the Dungeon of Doom. Which, well, kind of leads up to the war games. Yeah, which I can understand, but still, they could have wait, waited until the end, end of the match. Right. Because yeah, that rubbed me off the wrong way. Dungeon of Doom, Pearl harbored me tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely agree with you on that one. So we do a top five favorite superstars, and you can kind of uh, throw in some guys, you know, here and there. But my number five of my top five list has to be Macho Man Eddie Savage that we saw tonight. Because of stepping to a slim gym, his character, the, his finish maneuver, I felt like Macho Man was great. Oh, yeah. My number four has to be who we saw tonight, too, Hulk Hogan. Seeing your prayers, eat your vitamins, train, all that jazz. And his uh, bright yellow banana hammock, brother, what you going to do? Yeah, which is so 1985-ish. And my number three has to be another guy that we saw tonight, Woo, Ric Flair. You guys hated me. You and Nate hated me back then because I loved the heels, the bad guys. You guys hated me for that, which is why I love Ric Flair that much more. Yeah. My number two has to be Shawn Michaels, a heartbreak kid. Along with Ric Flair, you guys hated him. I remember WrestleMania 14 that you know when it was airing that we 
were living in Cambridge at the time. We were trying to watch the paper. We had the, it on the pay-per-view channel. It scrambled. And you guys hated the fact that I loved Shawn Michaels. And I had to go to bed early for school the next day. I remember walking out of the living room before I ate breakfast. And you had my Stone Cold action figure. giving my Shawn Michaels action figure the Stone Cold Stunner. And I remember asking you, how in the heck do you know... That Stone Cold beat Shawn Michaels last night at WrestleMania 14. And you just shrugged your shoulders like, I don't know. And when Raw started, Stone Cold was the WWF champion. And I asked you, how in the hell did you know? You're like, I don't know, a good guess. And I hated you for that. Because you guys hated Shawn Michaels. Which makes me appreciate him that much more. My number one, which you guys hated back in 08 when he was a heel, was Chris Jericho. Chris who? The lead singer of Fozzie, damn it. <laughs> oh, Fozzie, yeah. The French-Canadian. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Chris Jericho is my number one. So, who are some of your favorite wrestlers of all time? Oh, God. Some of my favorite? Well, number five's got to be Vern Gagne. For those of us that you know, remember that remember way back when, you know, early 80s. Uh, number four. Uh, this was kind of a hard one to kind of come up with. But four... I'm going to say it has to be Kevin Nash. Why? Why is Big Sexy? Uh, Yeah, funny. Rock. I was going to say, well, the reason why I'm saying Kevin Nash for number four is that, you know, when him and Scott decide to both jump, which leads over to WCW, where the big boys play catch. I hope you caught the adjective on that one. You know, when him and Scott. (laughs) Yeah, funny, man. It was, you know, when him and Scott both jumped to WCW. Which I thought was kind of interesting, and right around Memorial Day in '96, '95, oh yeah, '96, yeah. I was gonna say exactly yeah, because that's right. Scott jumped. The, the was, next, was, next week, Nash jumped. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, because you know how they did their whole thing. And number three is Hall, Scott Hall, aka the bad guy. Hey yo, you know who I am, but you don't, don't know, know why I'm, I'm here. I was gonna say number two. I'm going to have to steal your number five guy in this one, Randy. You know, he's probably up there, probably giving, wanting to give Hogan a butt earful on this one. Hopefully he makes it to the Hall of Fame next year. Hopefully. And number one, you know, normally in the late 80s I was a big Hogan fan, but my number one tonight has got to go to the Ravishing Rick Rude. Good. I, I'm happy Hulk Hogan ended up making your top five. You know, because Ravishing Rick Rude, he's another one of those guys that you love to hate. So, yeah, we might as well end the, end the episode and all that. What's your, I know we kind of talked about this, but did you enjoy just going back and watching Nitro for for one week? Yeah, that I did. Do you enjoy watching Hulk Hogan be Hulk Hogan? Well, just one of those things that Hogan's always going to be Hogan. So if I ask you to come back on the, on the podcast again to review some old Nitros, would you? Yeah, that I would. Good. So how can the main event listeners of Main Event Status Radio follow you on Twitter? I know I have Twitter, but heaven forbid I remember what my uh, Twitter handle is, but... Thankfully, one of us has a smartphone. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I got a dumb phone. I'm going to call it a dumb phone. But uh, Dirty Dog here, he'll be able to hook you up here it, with my Twitter handle. It is at D-D-A-R-S-I-E-7-8. D, D Darcy 78 that is Dave on Twitter D Darcy 78 D D A R S I E 78 on the Twitter machine Twitter what's that for those of us old timers something that you can something you can put on in the internet your thoughts oh yeah kind of like this episode of the podcast oh something like facebook sure Alright, <laughs> not to compare, but... Then you can follow me on Twitter at DirtyDogMES. That's dog as in D-A-W-G, DirtyDogMES. For Beverly Hills, it's Beverly Hills M-E-S on the Twitter. For Facebook, you can like us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash Main Event Status Radio. That's all one word. Facebook.com slash Main Event Status Radio. You can listen to us on our website, MainEventStatus.com. Again, that's Main Event Status Dot com. You can find us on iTunes. We have a new iTunes feed. Search us out. You know, search us in the library. Type in Main Event Status Radio. We should be the the what the episode icon should be. You know, with the Main Event Status Radio uh, upper left hand corner and some other random pictures of r- different old school wrestling on, on this with it. 
you know, for the for the, pod, for the art for the podcast artists would be Dirty Dog Darcy and Mr. Beverly Hills. You know, subscribe there since all of our episodes are on that new podcast feed. Unlike the one before, you can only get the recent ten. So yeah, search it out on the new iTunes iTunes feed. Like us, rate us, review us on there. Help us move up the podcast feed. We want to beat Jim Ross and the Ross Report. So hopefully, with you, David, being on the podcast, we'll be one step closer to defeat the Ross Report because Jim Ross he likes to sass it. He likes to sass it a lot on his podcast. <laughs> Jim Ross never. And you can also listen to us on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com backslash main event status radio. Oh, one word, just like Facebook. Back, main event status, or uh, SoundCloud.com backslash main event status radio. And again, sir, you, everything you can find us about main event status radio, this podcast is on main event status.com. That's our, pod, that's our website, main event status.com. And for Mr. Beverly Hills, who should be back next week, for my oldest brother Dave, Daddy, a.k.a. Daddy Sunshine, I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. We will talk to you next time on Minivan Status Radio.